Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. He kōna e pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Hi and welcome to Eating Fried Chicken in the Shower bonus episode. I'm here with clinical psychologist Saab Jahal. Kia ora, James. Saab, I want to talk to you about uh, an experience I had coming out of uh, level three into level two mm-hmm. because uh, I had something sort of sneak up on me. I, I think like a lot of people, was like, woohoo, I can go for a walk. I can get into the town. I can go to the sea. And I was walking through the city center of a pretty empty Wellington. And uh, the opposite actually started to happen to me. I I didn't feel uh, like, oh, I'm finally out and about. I actually began to feel quite anxious and get quite panicky. Mm. Is that a normal feeling? Yeah, I do you know. I think it was actually quite a common feeling. I think a lot of people were experiencing something quite similar. And I think if we think about the paradox of actually going into level four was the most restrictive in terms of freedom, mm. but in terms of the psychological safety that it offered. Yeah. You know, the fact that you were in your bubble and you were carefully controlling who it was that you were exposed to and you were exposed then to any kind of possible. Um, infection mm. with uh, the coronavirus, then to move from that kind of maximum psychological safety and security to something that was a bit loose, even mm. though we were fairly confident, pretty confident that mm. um, it wasn't out there um, and we were testing this out. There is um, co- coming along with that easing of restrictions then is a slightly reduced feeling of psychological safety. And it's also moving after four weeks into somewhere where we may have been used to being, but we're not used to being around anymore. And plus, you know, you're moving around in this space where you're used to seeing lots of people and then suddenly you're seeing nobody else around you. Yeah. There's lots of cues there for people, for you to be thinking and feeling, this doesn't feel quite right. Do you know what I mean? Is it uh, an overstimulation, like going from like not much stimulation to, to suddenly lots of things happening around you? Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends what was going on in your bubble, right? So if you had a bubble where you had like quite a few people at home um, living with you at that time, then yeah, it may have been going from the opposite. You know, lots of things going on in a very small enclosed space to suddenly being outside and nobody else around you or people being very wary about how it was that they were being around other people. Alternatively, you could have been alone completely during those four weeks and then moving into a space where suddenly there's a queue for somewhere to go for coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though people are being spaced apart, it's again, it's a novel new experience for you. So people were experiencing this kind of FOGO, this kind of fear of going out. Yeah. And it was kind of difficult for people to enter back into a public space again. I just want to ask you about a, another fear along those lines, the fear of the unknown, because mm. I think that's a saying, we all know it, we've heard it, but we've been hearing it a lot uh, moving forward into, into level one and sort of the continuing holding of level one. But what actually is fear of the unknown? So there's a couple of things there that are, are unknown if we think about breaking it down. Number one is sort of like the unpredictability. We don't know how this is going to unfold over time. 
Okay? Right. We like to think that we've got a grip on it, and if anything does break out, then we're going to be able to manage that. So there's the unpredictability in terms of time, but then there's also the uncertainty of what is going to happen next. And I guess we as a nation, as a country, are a bit of an outlier on the world stage. Mm. So what's our place in the world now? Yeah. What's our experience going to be like compared to other people's experience in the world? You know, if I check out my social media timeline, I'm feeling increasingly kind of divorced from the reality of other people's lived experience compared to my lived experience. Mm. Even though I have relatives, many, many relatives all overseas, I'm just feeling quite removed from that right now. That's the unknown, I guess. And does that play into, for myself, when I talk to friends overseas, family overseas, I, I kind of almost have to censor the information I, I, I give them, you know, like, oh, sorry, I'm just uh, been to a restaurant. Like, oh, well, oh, 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 yeah, I'm doing a live gig in front of, you know, a couple of hundred. Oh, so it, it is that kind of thing where that kiwiness of don't brag, mate, everything you do when your country's like New Zealanders compared to the rest of the world feels a bit like bragging. That, what does that do to our social communication, to our sense of, of who we are? You, yeah, you're right. I mean, I guess we do need to be careful. And what you're picking up there is, you know, we need to be respectful of other people's right. experience and what they may be going through right now. See, I'm not used to being to. respectful. That's, <laughs> that's probably the issue there. <laughs> well, I, but I think this is coming up for a lot of people at the moment is how do we talk about our experience when it may be very difficult for people to relate to us and for us to relate to their experience. And as we travel along these sort of like parallel paths, and there may be other nations who kind of join us in similar status in terms of being relatively COVID-free, and long may it continue, but also, you know, what is the experience of the other countries in the world who are still going to be grappling with this for a long time? So we're going to be in this kind of perilous situation, I think, where we're going to have to try to figure out our place in the world and how it is that we remain in contact with each other in respectful and meaningful ways and really understanding each other's experience. What are the mental pitfalls we need to look out for as we move forward into that? Yeah. So, so one of the things is that with this sort of uncertainty and unpredictability, it's difficult to kind of develop a language for mm. what it is that we might be scared of, partly because we can't necessarily put our finger on it. And partly because if we do put our finger on it, if we do name it, mm. the peril, the danger is, is that it feels more real. Absolutely. And we actually might be more comfortable with not naming it and leaving it unspoken because that's preferable to making it real and actually talking about it. And I think that this is um, going to be a really big challenge for us because our biggest challenge in New Zealand is not the presence of COVID-19, it's mm. the absence of COVID-19. And that's completely different and presents different challenges to what other people are facing in the rest of the world. Are the things we need to keep in mind for our mental health, being in that such a different space? Because we're still getting international news channels. We're still getting, you know, Twitter, Facebook, all that. There's still this international information coming to us, which isn't necessarily relative to our experience. So are there the things we need to keep in mind for our own mental health moving forward? Yeah, I think if we think back to um, perhaps our experiences when we went through 
the lockdown, level four lockdown, level three of lockdown. And when we were living these kind of really kind of slimmed down lives, mm. you know, we weren't able to go out as much as we were before. We could stay local and do all those things. But I think lots of people started experiencing what was really important in their lives. Mm. And I think one of those things was, yeah, people would be absolutely worried about businesses and worried about income, but they were also... I think they had a realization of things like relationships became really, really important for them. Mm. And doing things that were in alignment with their values became really, really important for them. Mm. And I think we know this from research that we've done with people going through disasters is they have almost like a reorientation as to like, actually, what's important in my life? Mm. What are the things that make me happy? What are mm. the things that enable me to function well? Mm. And how do I take that forward with me mm. to help me to meet the challenges of what's coming next? The, 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 the big challenge is that we don't really know what's coming next. So then it becomes really important to stay in touch with those values and practices that keep us on an even keel as we try to navigate these kind of uncharted waters that we're going to be sailing through. Thank you very much, clinical psychologist Saab Jahal. Kia ora, James. Kia ora, brother. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.